0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you back to our series entitled Promises. I want to welcome all of those that are watching online, joining in with us, our McKinney campus. Maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus. Maybe someone that might watch this message later. also want to welcome all those at our Hazlitt campus. Would you put your hands together? Welcome everybody yeah. who's joining in with us this weekend. It's an exciting weekend and an exciting step in this series entitled Promises. If you're new with us, I'd love for you just to jump in with us. God's doing something amazing. He's doing something significant in each and every person. We have spent a few weeks building up, and this week we're going to take a turn to now start talking practically about how the promises of God are something we can tangibly connect with. We're going to talk about this weekend, and my real desire for you this weekend is that you would experience this promise understanding of who Jesus is. In fact, the last few weeks, we've been talking about how he is a promise-keeping God. He can't lie because it's not even part of his nature. That a covenant, a covenant is this Bible word for promise, and it brings significance with it. It's when a stronger party, that being God, makes a promise to a weaker party, and God himself backs the promise by his nature. And again, he's not a person, so he can't lie to us. So we've been learning about this new and better covenant that the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So each week we've been showing you how there's this Jesus thread when you read the Bible, that it all comes to fulfillment in Jesus Christ and that we can access that for our personal life. And this weekend, I want you to touch it. I want you to connect with it, not just hear about it. Because, you know, even when you hear about a promise, you want to believe it, but sometimes it's hard to grasp for yourself. When you hear God is a promise-keeping God and he has a plan for you, there's something in you that wants to hope. But when you actually begin to grab a hold of it and possess it, it changes you forever. So this weekend, I want to make it possible for you to touch it, for you to connect with it, for you to think about it, for you to personalize it for you and your family. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 We're gonna look at Matthew 26, 26, but on our way to Matthew, the story that Jesus gives us there and the real significant moment, we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians 11 and we're just gonna tie all this together in the Bible and we're we're gonna talk a little bit about the promise that's found in communion and the tangible connection. I hope all of you, wherever you're watching from, you have some communion elements because at the end, we're gonna make it really, really practical. One of the things I'm most excited about is we, we had last weekend, record attendance of people in physical locations attending church. How many of you know the Bible says don't get in the habit of not gathering together because you need to encourage each other and in the craziness of our world the last few years I'm so excited to see the people of God worshiping and coming together. That was was exciting but as a pastor we started Milestone not just for people to come and listen to songs and worship and listen to preaching but to gather together as spiritual family because we're better as we grow together and develop together. We have more people right now in small groups than we have in the history of Milestone Church. And I don't know if that's a place that you're excited about, but I'm excited about it as a pastor because I want you to grow. I want you to have the help you need. When you find your people, you find purpose in your life. And you're preparing your relationships today for the challenges of tomorrow. And so I know it's those groups that'll be there when you suffer tragedy and loss. I know it's those people that'll be there to text you and pray for you. And so for me as a pastor... That's exciting to me that you guys are gathering. We're doing it from kids to youth to a whole church family. So I'm just excited about what God's doing. But on Super Bowl weekend, if I might, sort of tongue in cheek, Jesus had a Super Bowl moment with his disciples. It's like an apex moment. It's like the big game. It's the big moment. It's the big event. Paul looks at it in 1 Corinthians 11, and he's looking back at it. And so in 1 Corinthians 11:23 says for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus the night he was betrayed took bread so he's about to take some bread and take a cup and so you're like okay what's going on here what's Jesus doing well what we call in the Christian church communion, you may have taken communion before, you may have heard about communion, maybe you don't know what it is, some form of bread, some form of a cup, we join together and we take this and we, we had. there's a reason behind it. Let me take you all the way back to the first of the Bible. When Jesus gathered with his disciples, they weren't taking communion at church. They were celebrating Passover. It's important for you to know that. This is a celebration that they would have participated in as young Jewish boys from an early age. It's a moment where when you go all the way back, the people of God were in captivity, they cried out to him, he heard their cry, He pleads with Pharaoh, there's plagues, there's all these catastrophic events, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, he will not let God's people go. He brings Moses as a messenger, but there ends up in this final culmination of this time. He says, take a lamb and sacrifice it and put the blood over the doorposts of your house. For this night, the angel of death will pass over and if there's blood on the door, we're still, Covered by the blood. I want you to see the picture. The covering of that blood. Then he would pass over and the firstborn would be spared for those that had the blood. Those that were covered by the blood. And then at that moment, they became a nation. The nation of Israel. They became the children of God. They stepped out. They began this process. So so for centuries, they would celebrate and look back to that moment of God's deliverance. It was called Passover. Passover. But this Passover is different because Jesus is now with his closest disciples. He's at the end of the journey. He's about to die. He's about to raise from the dead. And so when he celebrates this meal, look what it says now. He says he took that bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. That same bread that they had eaten so many times. Can you imagine him saying, this is me. This is my body which is for you, now do this in remembrance of me. So he's saying, I'm about from now on to give you a tangible connection with where the power you need really relies, where you can really rely on it, where you can really touch it, where you can really connect with it. We do this at youth retreats sometimes. You take a sin and go to the cross, you know, this is something I'm struggling with and nail it to the cross, When I was a kid, one of our youth leaders took us out, built a fire, wrote down the the sins, the things, the struggles, you know, and you took it and and you threw it in the fire. It was like a tangible connection with, okay, wait a minute, this isn't just a thought or a concept, now I'm thinking about it being taken away. Sometimes in grief counseling, they'll have you take a balloon and maybe put a message in that balloon and when that balloon ascends to the heavens, maybe you have this thought that maybe that thought could get to that loved one that I wanna communicate with so bad. Jesus is making a nail it to the cross, a, a moment where I want you to touch it and feel it and experience it. I, I want you to know that for those of you that don't understand the message of Jesus, I wanna make it really clear to you right now. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion, he came to invade your life. He came to come in and when you surrender yourself to him, I know you search for all kinds of things and there's an emptiness in your soul. I wanna say to you today, today the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Some of you have family members and friends that are praying for you. Some of you have been running from God and he's been chasing you. I wanna say there may be someone in this service, whether online or somewhere, that you have a young person that's been touched. I ministered between services to and just prayed with and encouraged a couple of brothers who'd been praying for their sister for a year. And she came to know Jesus this weekend and they wanted to tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say to you, dad, God doesn't play fair. He'll give you a kid that loves God. He'll give you a mom that prays. And boy, if your grandma starts praying for you, you better give up now. But I want to tell you, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I love to say it this way. When you really, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about when you really sell out to Jesus, He comes and invades your soul and life. You'll never give Him back. Today's the day of salvation. But let me talk to a lot of you as well. We don't come to the cross of Jesus Christ that place of remembrance of his sacrifice, him paying for our sins, him handling a debt that we owed that we could never pay. We don't come to him as the Bible says, the same power that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of us. We don't come to him just at a moment to receive salvation, to get an insurance ticket. Let me say this, we're gonna learn today that you keep coming back to that place. He's saying, I need you to remember that that's where your power is. Young people, you made some commitments this weekend. Some of you let go of some things that have happened to you. You let go of some things that you've participated in that make you feel dirty and shameful. You let go of some of it. You now are on a spiritual place, but what is Jesus saying? I need you to remember. You're not gonna be able to keep the promises that you've made to God by yourself. You'll have to keep coming back to that place. You'll have to keep returning to that same body, that same blood that was sacrificed, that same place is where you have to keep returning. Because if you don't, you get in your own strength and you quickly realize you don't have the strength to live this life that he's planned for you to live. So he says, I want you to remember this. It's my body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The Bible says we have a new covenant based on better promises. This is a new covenant now. No longer do we have to have that lamb on the doorpost. No longer do we have to have a high priest go in and sacrifice bulls and goats on a special day and go in to make atonement for sin. We have a new covenant now. Not just special people, not just pastors and professional Christians, All of us can speak to God and speak for God. We're all now a priesthood of believers that can go into his presence boldly. What a great new covenant. What a great new promise that we have, that we have in him. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul's looking all the way back to Passover and to Jesus. Now, some of you may have taken communion and we do it in different ways and different styles. And some of you may have grown up in a church that did it every week. I get that question, Pastor, why don't we do it every week? There's no command in the Bible that says you have to do it every week. In fact, it just says when you do it, do it this way. In fact, I would say it's not about the frequency of it. It's about the power in it. It's so many people take it every week that have no change, no life. It's just, they're just there and some have a special person give it to you and put it on your tongue and others come forward and some people have a one cup and you know, now we've moved into sanitized convenience, you know, we have right there, your little McDonald's snack pack communion, you know, (laughs) right there for you, convenient church I grew up in, there was a table, man. They had a tablecloth. The leaders would come out. They'd take the tablecloth off. There were all these shiny things. I remember as a kid looking, wow, powerful, man. They fold the tablecloth and we would go and we'd pass out this beautiful, shiny stuff and everyone would take it. And Brandy and I, I don't get to go to church a lot. I go to church a lot, but usually I'm in charge of doing something at church. I don't get to just attend church a lot as a pastor. But uh, I had the opportunity, most of the time I'm either speaking or somewhere, so I had an opportunity here a year and a half ago. My daughter was in college at Baylor and we went to her church, you know? It was kinda of college church, you know? And so it was cool, large church, went there, daughter, she brought us. And. uh I, I got to be honest, I had to try to get in the spirit because I'm thinking, man, y'all need some help getting these cars on campus. Somebody could be shaking hands. we you going make this place be a little more friendly. Could y'all see people? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was in preacher mode, okay? It's like, how can we do this a little better, you know? But I, Brandy and I were up in the balcony and, you know, I'm thinking about that. And then I'm like, okay, we're in the spirit and the worship song was good. And they said, we're going to take communion. I'm like, how oh, they do this? Where's my snack pack at? They said, no, you go in the front of your section down to the table. And they had the common goblet down there with the one cupper. Some Hawaiian rolls on the side. It's college church. Pretty sure the bread's not supposed to have leaven. Leaven equals sin. That's a different message. But anyway, in college church, it doesn't matter. You can have chips ahoy. And there they had the Hawaiian rolls in the one cup. And so I walked down to the front and looked in there and realized, you know what? I'm going to be able to knock it out in one swing because there's a lot of floaties in there. So I just kind of got me a little bit. All good, man. My wife went forward. She looked. She said, Lord, we're going to commune in the Spirit this weekend. We're out on that. We're going to just commune in the Spirit. (laughs) I'm not here to talk to you about the technicalities of communion. I'd like to show you the power of communion and how it practically impacts your life. Matthew 26 is where it all really started, not at Passover, but with Jesus. It says, while they were eating, remember, they're having this Passover meal, he and his friends, they took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood. This is my blood of the covenant. Remember, it's the promise This is what makes this covenant real. It's the blood of the covenant which is poured out for you for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and this is where it starts getting practical. They went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said, I've just made an incredible promise to you, but you're going to break your promise to me. I'm going to make a promise to you that I'll never not keep, but you're going to break your promise to me. I'll strike the sheep. The sheep of the flock will scatter. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, you got to love Peter, even if I fall away on account of you, look at this, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Even if all do it, I never will. you got to love Peter's emotion, but your emotion doesn't hold you to your promise There's gotta be something more than just emotion of the moment. Young people, you gotta have more than just the emotion of a great retreat weekend where you feel God. Thank God for those moments that mark us, but in our emotion we'll make promises to God that if we don't have the substance in our lives to know where the power comes from, we can't keep it. Peter got a lot of emotion. Everybody else is gonna fall, but not me. I never will. You ever made a promise to God? You ever been like, you know what, you're in church and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna get serious. I'm going to get serious now, Lord. I'm with you. I feel you. I say, you're there, Lord. You're there. I'm going to stop that and start this. And you say that on Sunday and by Wednesday, you're doing it worse than you were before you came to church because your emotion alone can't hold you to your promise. He says, I never will. Everybody else will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, actually, this night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times, Peter. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, don't you just love Peter's? radical emotion. I'll die. You hear people sometimes, I don't care if I have to be martyred for the Lord. Okay. All right. Yeah. I got you. I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now the first test after all these big promises from them, Jesus takes them out to pray. He says, I want you to pray with me. They all fall asleep. Sound familiar? First test of all your big made promises, you can't even stay awake to pray. Then Jesus gets arrested and things start getting serious. Taken to the high priest house, Peter observes that. And then around a little fire, there's not even an intimidating foe. A girl comes and he denies Jesus and then he does it two other times. And then what does Peter ultimately do? He does what we do. And this is where the enemy wants to keep you. I I wanna safeguard you from not, I can't totally safeguard you from making a mistake, but I wanna help you by revelation. Keep from letting that mistake just be one mistake that you get over, you get forgiveness, you get on track, you get back with God. Because look, you never fall in a big way in one drastic moment usually. It's usually a series of continued falling away that you don't know how to get back on track with God that he begins to tell you, you're done. You can't live it, and you end up all the way back. That's what happened to Peter and the disciples. He made these mistakes. They ran scared, and they ended up back fishing because when you don't know how to overcome your failures, Young person, when you have that little mistake, that's why you have a small group. That's why you have a leader. That's why you have somebody. Okay, don't. what the enemy wants to do is say, don't come to elevate. Don't come to church. Don't come to the small group. You're damaged goods. You're a fake. You're a hypocrite. So you want to just keep going back and back. And before you know it, you're back with your old friends. You're back doing what you were doing before you had the moment. You go all the way back. That's what the enemy wants to take you to do. They went back to fishing. Don't you love Jesus that he doesn't leave us where we are? Don't you you just love Jesus keeps pursuing us? He doesn't give up on us. I'm so glad that he's relentless in his love for us that he doesn't leave us where we are. So Jesus shows up on the bank there. The bank, again, he called them into ministry on the bank there of a fishing expedition, and he's right back in that same place. Some people look at this and think there's some pattern to it as well. He builds a fire and starts cooking breakfast, so Peter denied him first around a fire. He builds a second fire. He shows up where he first called him. Peter denied him three times, so he had three statements in succession to refute the three denials. He says two different things three times. Look what he says here. He finished eating. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Notice Jesus doesn't go to the analyzation of what Peter did. He goes to the heart. Because when you have a continual sin problem, you don't have a sin problem. You have a heart problem. When people are running from Jesus, usually it's not the analytics of that I've witnessed to people who are professed atheists. I don't really believe there is such a thing because we're created in the image of God But even people who would classify themselves in that way, they want to have an analytical discussion about the dinosaurs and could God build a rock too big that he can't pick up? And when I have witnessed to and led to the Lord some of these people, when you dig in there, it's heart things of hurt. Heart things of hurt, the enemy capitalizes on and gets you in a place where you see yourself the way the enemy wants to see you instead of God sees you. And he can keep beating you up and pushing you back to till you just go back to what you already knew these are guys who had walked with jesus and seen the miracles too They're like well if i saw a miracle i would really commit no it's a heart thing jesus says do you love me yes lord he says you know i love you jesus said feed my lambs it's a purpose thing too you want to know why you we're constantly talking about get engaged with your faith Get in relationship, get in spiritual family, get in church, get connected, get your kids in church, get your kids connected, why? Because your purpose is what keeps you on track. What the enemy wants to do is get you out of your purpose. The Bible says people without vision perish, that means cast off constraint. So when you're just bebopping through life, doing whatever and just doubling down on your leisure and you're not connected to kingdom purpose, you're vulnerable to the devil. You're vulnerable to the enemy and what the enemy will tell you is well you blew it so you don't have a purpose anymore. God's changed his mind about you. Jesus says three times these same things over and over. He said Simon son of John do you love me? He answered yes Lord you know that I love you. Jesus said take care of my sheep. The third time he said Simon son of John do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Notice Jesus is drilling down not on the behavior thing but the love thing. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, what'll happen? You'll start off and you'll get going. I pray this over every person who receives Christ. I just prayed it over Natalie, this young lady who just accepted Christ. The enemy in two weeks is gonna tell you that was an emotional thing, that was a hype thing, it wasn't real, and he's gonna get you to a place where you're gonna feel like, well, was that real, was it not, because what he's trying to do is get you to step back. And then what happens, though, is if you keep just stepping forward, you keep just, hey, I missed it there, but I'm back on track with you, Lord, I'm coming. You keep coming into worship. You know why you have struggles with worship sometimes, too? Because when you're in the presence of God, our own heart condemns us. You know what you said to your wife. You know what you did last week. And when we don't know the blood covenant of Jesus that was made for us, we don't come in the presence of God based on our behavior. We come in the presence of God based on Jesus's behavior. And the the reason the enemy wants to keep you out of the presence of God and get you identified by shame is because it's in the presence of God that what'll happen is every time you just keep coming back there, you'll look up and stuff starts falling off of you. You'll look back and go, who am I? Where did this come from? You'll love what you used to hate and hate what you used to love. and He'll change you from the inside out. So Jesus goes back to the love thing over and over. Lord, you know all the things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then get back on track, Peter. Start feeding my sheep. Start doing what I called you to do. I haven't changed my mind about you. Get back on purpose, Peter. Over and over. Did you know Peter? ends up after the day of Pentecost preaching a message where thousands of people come to know Christ. So let's talk about, I'm talking about the first communion gets real, real fast. We think it's just, oh, we came together, had some crackers and juice and do this and remembrance and it's a religious ritual. No, the first communion at the Passover meal, it ends with, you're all gonna break your promise. But I'm not gonna break mine to you. And I'm gonna keep coming after you, no matter what. So you talk about practical, how do we get back in that right place where we're back on track with Jesus? Let's look at the practicals of it. The first thing you have to realize is it's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. You do what you love. If you love your hurt, you'll stay separated from Jesus and his purposes. If you love your past, if you love your pain, if you worship your pain, if you Love your problems when you worship them more than you do Jesus' purpose and his plan. If you love sin, it's pleasurable for a season. The enemy will make it where if you have a heart desire, the heart will lead you, the love will lead you to it with the enemy's desire. But the way you flush out the enemy's plan for your life is the love of God. He keeps coming back to you saying, I love you. I love you. Did you know love's what really changes? I gotta admit, sometimes I'm not good at this. I've made that mistake with my own kids sometimes cuz I had an engineer dad so I like to analyze. If I went to Peter I'd be like, "Now what part of the message did I not cover? Don't look at me so hypocritical. <laughs> now what part of this Peter? Now why did what what part of where you were? Now did you do this? Did you what about that? I would have tried to break down the mechanics of Peter's problem. You know what Jesus says? Let's talk about love. Let's talk about my love for you and let's talk about your love in your heart because you'll do what you love. You'll do what you love. Love will be your highest motivator. So he comes back to talk about the love issue. Three times he says it. Do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? So much so Peter gets frustrated going, why are we talking about this? You know I love you. And Jesus is emphasizing that love quotient is gonna to have to go up, Peter, because that's where the root of your problem actually exists. It's Valentine's weekend too. Men, let me tell you something. You gotta get on the game pretty quick, okay? It's coming tomorrow, okay? Now let me, let me give you a little pro tip. Supply chain issues. Those of you that don't, haven't done anything you're already too late, because I went last night. There's nothing there. Get some red construction paper and your kid's scissors and start cutting hearts, okay? You gotta show up with something, okay? And, and one of the worst Valentine's candies are those little hearts, y'all. I mean, I'm just tell you, that we've all had, how I many of y'all know, these things, they're really not that good. They taste like those fake cigarettes that they used to give us back in the day. Are y'all with me? They. T- why were we giving kids fake cigarettes? Why were we doing that? It's basically semi-sweetened chalk. But we like this Valentine's gift because we like to read what's said on the heart. When you hate to pick up the heart and you're looking for a Valentine and it says, sometimes, <laughs> maybe, if you perform? Aren't you glad God doesn't come to us and say, when you got it all together? when you're doing it exactly right, when you have all those things in a row, I, I love you. He says, no, it's it's my love for you that'll always be consistent. Some of you maybe have a reconciliation issue in your marriage or a reconciliation with a child or a parent. Did you know, usually it's a perceived love deficit. It's a perceived you're not seeing and it doesn't always have to be logical. That's the problem with logical people have a lot of relational issues sometimes because we're like, it's so logical. Hurt's not logical. So the best thing you can do is just say, you know what? I'm gonna always love you. You can never do anything. Unconditional love is the highest motivator. Jesus comes to Peter to talk about that. And Romans says, not knowing The goodness of God leads you to repentance. He's talking about because you don't understand how good God is, you haven't changed yet. I'm convinced that once you see the real Jesus, transformation happens on the backside of the revelation of how good he really is. The second thing, though, he turns him to is his purpose, he restores him to his purpose. He restores us to our purpose. Notice not only three times love, three times purpose, three times feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Again, I go back to get back on track with what God's called you to do. The enemy will tell you, you know what? You're discarded goods. You're not part of the plan. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God, God doesn't change his mind about the gifts and callings of God well, pastor, I've been divorced, or pastor, I've had this, or pastor, I did these things. Pastor, I willingly walked away from the plan of God. Now am I not qualified? Well, that's what the enemy will tell you. But God knows, and Jesus knew with Peter that in fact, getting him back on his purpose is what's going to produce some of the boundaries and restraints in his life. that's going to cause him to love God more. That's going to create strength and create power. I saw these two things in operation this last week. I was at a staff meeting that I was invited to speak to. In the middle of the staff meeting I was, I was supposed to speak but I was standing there during worship and I looked over to my left and there was a young lady, a young, young girl, maybe 20 years old and she, she looked just normal, didn't seem like any effect. She, just, just, and she I just, I just saw her countenance and God just began to speak to me. And, I, I, it doesn't happen a lot, I just, I just, God just began to speak to me that he said, she needs to know how much I love her. And you know, I, I know y'all think we're like the professional Christians, like when God speaks to us, hey, start that small group, reach out to that person, give that money to the person at the gas station, invite your neighbor to church. I know you think that because I'm your pastor that I get teleported by angels to obedience. That it's just, let me tell you, you never graduate from saying yes to the Holy Spirit. You never graduate. Now, I I had a little struggle, though. I was like, Lord, is this you? This could be really bad. I don't know if, I I mean, I (laughs) have too much pizza last night. I mean, this ain't part of the program. It's just, oh my gosh. So I got up to speak and I'm like, Lord, I'm I'm just gonna obey you. And I invited this young lady, her name was Megan. I said, Jesus just wants you to know how much he loves you how much he's proud of you. Man, I, I I started crying. She started crying. And little did I know there was a gentleman there as I just began to talk to her about how God has plans for her and God has a purpose for you. And I know you've struggled with it. And there was a gentleman there who took the microphone who actually said she has just spent time going through cancer treatment and chemotherapy and had all, he knew her, had been on a mission trip with her. and And, and, I, and, I, and I give you that story to say that I watched her as, as you, she just, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't even the spiritualness of my words. It was what we all, we're all that girl. We're all that girl in the busyness of our lives, the, the numbness that we have with doing the next task, the worries we carry to bed with us every night. You know what? It's not complicated. You know what we need to hear? The same thing, Megan, as she was crying and I was crying. I love you and I have a plan for you. He's always there ready to tell you the same thing. I've attended attended or done a lot of funerals recently. Just sometimes you hit those seasons. And it's just every time I sit in funerals, I'm reminded of what life is really all about. The stuff we get upset with. The pressure we have on our lives. The focus that we have on the wrong things. I could just take you into my world the last couple of months. In fact, I was sitting in a funeral Saturday of this weekend, 10 a.m., and there was a grandfather, and he had passed away, and his grandkids were up talking about how much he loved. Well, don't ever forget, love, <laughs> genuine love the world can't reproduce. One of the grandkids read 1 Corinthians 13, my grandfather is patient. My grandfather does not act unbecoming. My my grandfather doesn't take into account wrong suffered. He was reading the love chapter about his grandfather, but then someone got up and said, but you know what? He had a terrible childhood. He was abused. He was hurt. As a young guy, he was hurt. I'm still amazed as a pastor. When I sat there, this song from my childhood came up. Have a little talk with Jesus and tell him about all my troubles. That's an old one. You may not know it, but I was just sitting there reminded because his grandkids said, though he had a terrible, painful childhood, he knew how to have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him about all his troubles and how that created a love that all his grandkids said, I never saw him angry. I never saw him impatient. All I felt from him was the genuine love of Jesus. You know what? Sometimes we need to have a little talk with Jesus You got to know how to go to him because he's ready to tell you, I love you and I still have a purpose for you. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. My third point I want to make real. I want us to connect to it. My third point, I want all of us, even those of you in Hazlitt or wherever you're at, I want us to join in together because this is a nail it to the cross. This is let the balloon float up. This is a tangible using one of the, I think, most acute sensory things, even taste, We're gonna take communion together. And I'm gonna make it a little more real for you because you know what? Not only do we have the love of Jesus and the purpose that he's called us to, but the Bible says you can overcome. I wanna encourage you with that. Of course there are things we struggle with. Of course having faith in Jesus doesn't mean that we don't live this life with tribulation. But I don't know if you are gonna hear this anywhere else, but as your pastor, let me say to you, you don't have to live totally plagued by addiction. You don't have to live in bondage to certain things that may have been a part of generations before you. Young people, you don't have to have what the world says that your family will be, or you don't have to accept. The Bible says in Revelation that we overcome because he overcame because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome with the blood of the lamb and the power. So I thought about it this way. We have to get to a place where we overcome by understanding this, that it's what the word says that the blood does. It's not just because he's made the promise, it's because you begin to believe what the word says the blood actually does. What Jesus' blood actually can do in your life. So if you don't have a communion element, Uh, uh, there with you, just slip your hand. There's ushers in the aisle ready to get you one. Wherever you're watching this from, if you don't have it, just slip your hand up. I want to make sure you get one. If you don't have it, anyone else that doesn't have it, just I want to make sure right here, get one. Just pass them down. I want to make sure everybody's able to participate, that we're able to access by what the word says the blood does. And I'm gonna let you interact with it and read it. By the way, we're gonna read the word of God together. I'm, I'm wanting to pastor you and teach you in something. Some of you are going to work every day or taking your kids to school every day and you're fighting the battle in your own strength. You need to get some verses and you need to confess those verses over your situation. You need to begin to confess the word because it's when you start confessing that word and you believe that what that word says, it is able to go and perform, it will perform. The word does not return void. And you begin to speak that word over that child that's rebellious. You begin to speak that word over that situation that you're dealing with at work. This stuff works. This is not religion. This is a real relationship with Jesus because it says we overcome that way. By what the word says, the blood does. So I'm gonna count to three. We're gonna read these verses together and we're gonna access whatever one that you need, you grab it, possess it, it's his promise to us. One, two, three, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Young people, the enemy wants to put shame on you. Adults, God wants, the the enemy wants to put shame on you, but this says that Jesus, the blood of Jesus on that cross was him going and receiving all the shame so we don't have to be identified by it. Why do you feel guilty? Why do you feel shameful? Bad stuff's happened to you, bad things you've done, the people you've let down, and you're ashamed. You're ashamed of what you've done, but because of his blood, you now can be identified as his child in a different way. It deals with guilt and shame. When you come into a worship service and you feel guilty, you got to remember this. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. I need to come into your presence, Lord. You're ashamed to confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. The reason we're ashamed is that's where the enemy wants to keep us so we can stay stuck. One, two, three. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's not the emotion of your commitment that'll get you out of addiction to drugs. It's not the emotional moment of your I promise that's gonna make it happen. It's based on his promise. His blood will purify you from all sin, destructive habits, alcohol, drugs, anything it might be. His blood can set you free. One, two, three. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So you've got pain in your past. His blood, his sacrifice can heal you of those emotional pains. You got hurt from a relationship, a marriage, a child, a friend. He can heal you of those wounds so that you are able to minister healing to others. He can heal you physically. One, two, three. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Anxiety, worry, all time high in our culture. Again, it's not a vacation. It's not a medication. It's not anything, again, I'm not against if you are prescribed some type of medication. I'm not trying to produce condemnation. But what I'm saying is, and we believe in doctors and we believe in all that. But what I'm talking about is, your ultimate peace is the Prince of Peace. Your ultimate peace is, you're never going to have peace. You don't fix your way into peace. He comes into your life and there's a peace that passes all understanding that you can't explain because of his blood. We believe what the word says, the blood does. One, two, three. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you've transitioned to the area, you've moved, you've had some family things, you're divorced, you're single, you're this. What the enemy wants to always tell you is you're on the outside. You're not on the inside. We have an epidemic of loneliness in our culture, an epidemic of loneliness around more people but lonely. Where are my friends? Where are the people that care about me? Am I a part of anything? That's why for us here, spiritual families a value. Let me pl- explain to you. Spiritual family's not just going through our growth track, which you should. Spiritual is in your heart when you realize you were on the outside, but by the blood of Jesus, you've been brought near and now you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. He has a plan for you. So I'm going to ask you to take those elements and take that bread out. Those are Just a few of the promises of provision. I want you to hold that bread. Jesus, thank you for your body that was pierced, that was striped. The wrath, the iniquities, all of it, all of our sin, past, present, future laid on your body, Jesus, and broken for us. How can broken people have hope? It's because you took all the brokenness, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice for us. Just take that bread and receive it as God's provision for you today. Healing, hope, peace, life. Receive it. And now let's open up that cup. We believe what the word says the blood does. Lord, we thank you for what your word says that your blood does. We overcome by the word of our testimony, by that sacrifice of your blood on the cross, Lord, the payment you made, the provision for us. We thank you, Lord. We don't have to depend on bulls and goats and special people in a special day to set us free. Jesus, you made a new covenant in a new way based on better promises. and We receive it today. We thank you for the power that's in your blood. We receive it today. Take that cup together. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you've given us